Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman. Welcome. We appreciate you joining on the road. Obviously, you know, with all the travel going on, it's very difficult to get on here. He's currently streaming from his cell phone. So all the viewers out there, definitely show your appreciation to this man. Brian, how's it going? I'm doing great, Michael. Still, still, no matter where I am, still the best way to end the week. How's it going, man? It's going all right. You know, there's a huge week of college football coming up and it is absolutely exciting. Can't. Can't even contain my excitement. We're just going to dive right into it. Talk about this week's games. There's three huge matchups for me whenever I'm looking at this week. And to me, it's obvious. The first one is Texas versus Oklahoma State on Halloween, 4 p.m. Eastern. Brian, why don't you give us a little breakdown of this game? Yeah, so Oklahoma State, three, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I mean, both of these teams need this game, but for two different reasons, right? Uh, they both want to stay alive in the Big 12 race, but the thing is that Texas has already lost a couple of games. They need every single win they can get, and if they suffer a third loss, they are not getting to the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State's undefeated, but they have road games against K-State and Oklahoma coming up. This game at home is huge. But until the Cowboys lose and until somebody stops Chuba Hubbard, I am taking Oklahoma State. You know, in these big games, Texas, you never know which version of the Longhorns you're going to get. I fully trust, uh, you know, Sam Ellinger is going to be able to put up some points. But, you know, give me Mike Gundy's team at home. Yeah, this is a huge game. And for players to watch, I think the big one is Sam Ellinger. You really got to step up in these big games. He kind of hasn't done so this season. And when you are able to prove yourself, it's a big game to put on his resume and a game against Oklahoma State. If he could come away with a victory, would be huge for the Longhorns and huge for Ellinger. When you look at the Oklahoma State side of the ball, there's guys like Chuba Hubbard that we've already talked about that is going to be a huge part of this run game. You got guys like Tylen Wallace that are going to be huge parts of the passing game. But also some Texas defenders that need to be watched. Joseph Osai on the edge for Texas and Caden Stearns at safety for Texas as well are in for huge games. We know Oklahoma State has a very, you know, kind of two-dimensional approach with Tylen Wallace. They're either trying to get it to him short and letting him create, or they're going to try to send him deep 
and really try to have him beat the top. And Caden Stearns, as a safety, has to make sure that he's not getting beat deep in this game or else we are going to see a huge drop in his stock, which we've already kind of seen so far to this point. In our next game, one that is being hyped by many in the Big Ten and college football alike, Penn State versus Ohio State. This is going to be a huge game. As we know, two years ago, Penn State upset a playoff potential Ohio State team, and it was never able to fully recover. They didn't make it to the playoffs. They ended up having to go play Washington in that game. Ohio State has already gotten their revenge for that game in a sense, but now is the time where they get another great matchup. You're going to see two very good teams, Penn State coming off of a very upsetting loss against Indiana. Some don't even believe that it was a loss. You know, the two-point conversion, still in question from the Lions fans all over the nation. Brian, give us your breakdown. Yeah, I mean, that obviously that last play against Indiana was um, – was something, you know, I, I, I personally think Penn state probably should have um, uh, got the win there, but that's over and done with. And really the most important thing, Michael, is how Penn state responds to it, right? It's only their second game of the year. Uh, will they be uh, motivated uh, coming out against, you know, one of the best teams in the country, certainly the best team in their conference, or will they be a little bit deflated after losing a game that frankly, they should have won uh, as a top 10 team, you know, um, and with it only being each team's second game, it's really hard to know the identity of these teams, but you know, Ohio state's a big favorite about 12, 12 and a half points for a reason. And while that's under two touchdowns, uh, it's really hard, um, you know, to go against Ohio state and Columbus, even though it's a lot of points, I think that if Penn state has trouble getting the big stop against Indiana, they have, a lot of trouble getting the big stop against Justin Fields in that Ohio State offense. So, you know, take the Buckeyes and uh, you can put your head on the pillow at night, uh, you know, even if that one doesn't work out. But not sure if you can if you go the other way. And looking at players to watch, I think any time Ohio State takes the field, everyone is watching Justin Fields. So this is your easy assignment for the week. Justin Fields is in for what will be a big game, but a lot of teams want to see him step up against these better defenses, and Penn State is one of them. So keep an eye on Fields in this matchup after a star performance against Nebraska. For your next person to watch is Pat Fryermouth, the tight end for Penn State. Some people want to call him a baby Gronk. I don't think he's up to that level yet, but he is definitely a very talented tight end, one that has both receiving and blocking capabilities and is going to be huge for this Penn State offense to succeed. For the last player to watch, Shaka Tony. Had two sacks against Indiana, and now is heading into an Ohio State game looking to build off of that. You look at the Ohio State offensive line, and their tackle play isn't something that if Shaka Tony has a good game, you're going to be thinking, oh, this guy's definitely a first-round pick. But if Shaka Tony is doing a great job of, A, taking advantage of the matchup against the tackles, and then, B, being able to catch up to Justin Fields, bring him down, and keep him uncomfortable in this game, then that's going to be huge and do wonders for his stock. So keep an eye on Tony. And really, there's so many stars in this game, so it's not just three players that it'll come down to. But these are my three guys that I think should be most focused on when you're checking out this game on Halloween night. For our last matchup of this preview, we got Missouri playing against Florida. And I know a lot of people are easily going with Florida, but Missouri has had some very good play lately. They have a new quarterback under center in Connor Baslick. And 
really this offense has been getting going since then. And they were able to beat LSU. Then they went on and they were able to beat Kentucky. Now they go against Florida, which is one of the better teams in the nation. It's definitely going to be a tough matchup for them to come away with the victory. But I'd say don't sleep on the Tigers. Brian, what's your takeaway of this game? Michael, I think great minds think alike, man, you know, because uh, Florida, you know, Florida is the better team. They are, you know, other than Georgia, they might be the, the most talented team, uh, you know, in the SEC East or maybe even as talented as Georgia. The problem is that who's going to play in this game, Michael, exactly? Uh, you know, we aren't really sure. You know, Florida's offense is absolutely dynamic. Uh, Trask to Pitts is, uh, you know, one of the great – Sites any college football fan could see on Saturday, but you know what? Like, I don't know what to expect from this team after not having played for several weeks. The last time we did see them on the road at Texas A&M, it did not go well. And uh, Missouri really hasn't done anything but, you know, instill confidence really in, in anybody that watches them or considers betting on them. So as a, you know, about 12 or 13 point underdogs, I believe, you know, I would definitely take the points with Missouri, um, you know, Spooky matchup in the swamp on Halloween. So I, I would definitely be, you know, you know, Florida, Florida has the potential to go off, but without knowing what to expect from them, I would, um, you know, side with the team that's in good form, you know, and that's Missouri. So would you say in games like this, where there's so much unknown, would you, would you more advise just stay away and just enjoy the football game? Or would you, would you say it's worth getting into? Yeah. I mean, my, you know, personal feeling about Saturdays is that there are so many games on that if you get one that you're not really sure of, there's a lot more questions than answers to like a team that had an outbreak of COVID and you don't know what to expect. I really would just lay off of it. You know, um, I, I, there are so many, so many other games uh, that you can choose from where at the very least you can get, uh, you know, an accurate preview. You know exactly who's playing. You know what to expect. Uh, maybe they've played a couple of games in in the last month. And that's why it's really Missouri uh, or bust for me, because at least they've shown you something positive. Well, we have no idea what to expect from Florida. So, I mean, if you're not someone who is hell bent on betting the Florida game, I really would leave it alone. That, you know, is good advice. For players to watch, I think Kadarius Tony is going to have a lot of eyes on him. He has proven to be a reliable receiver in the Florida offense, offers great tools with his speed and upside. Now it's about production, and so far he has done well with 18 catches and over 200 yards on the season. On the defensive side of things, for Missouri, we got Nick Bolton, the linebacker, a little bit undersized, but has been a monster in every outing. The NFL is trending towards these faster linebackers that may not offer the same amount of pounds as some of the bigger hammer-type linebackers. But Nick Bolton definitely offers a big boom with his tackles, and he is going to fly around the field. At safety, one guy that I think is being very underrated is Tyree Gillespie, a dominant safety that just offers a great frame and great range. He always is around the ball. Coming in at that strong safety spot, he is definitely – a huge piece of this Missouri defense. And I think once people start to analyze more film on him, they will start to rise. He will start to rise up draft boards across the NFL and across the media. That's all we got for your week nine preview. Brian's got to get going. He's on vacation. Like we said, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today and take care. Listen, I appreciate it. Michael next week. I look forward to, uh, to rejoining for, uh, for the full show. And I will tell the people, uh, it's Friday night. There's a couple of college football games on. Bonus pick, Wyoming Cowboys at home 
in Laramie, Wyoming against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Hawaii did not go back to the Big Island. They stayed in Detroit, uh, Detroit, in Denver, Colorado for the week. But I don't know how many times Hawaii gets to play in 30-degree weather. And um, that's exactly what we have tonight. Wyoming wins at home. We have a uh, question from Nick Durst. He's wanting to know, are you are you on vacation to have a little getaway from the Jets versus Chiefs game? Uh, you know, there's it, uh, the unfortunate thing about the Jets is that they're like uh, they're like a disease. You don't exactly ever get away from it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Take care. Have a good vacation. All right, Michael. Talk soon. Thanks. And now today we are flying solo. Michael Rockman here alone talking to you about the draft. Hopefully, you know, all you Nick Durst fans out there are not leaving the show just yet. Hopefully I'm able to bring you guys some good content. We got one comment from the comment section. Glock Lesnar, a favorite of the show, said, Sup, not too much, just talking about the draft and getting through the Destination Draft Day show. Let's first dive into the NFL side of things. The Falcons and the Panthers played in Thursday night football. And really, I think the biggest takeaway of this game is just the fact that the Falcons are probably going to do what they do every season yet again. And that is win in when it's no longer necessary for the team. The Falcons have won two of their last three, now sitting at two and six on the season. They have some easy games coming up. They play the Broncos next week, which is very achievable. Then they go probably lose to the Saints twice. They have a Raiders game in between there, which, you know, could go either way. It kind of just depends on how the Raiders are doing more than the Falcons. I think the Raiders are the better team, but, you know, any given Sunday type feel. And then they have a game against the Chargers, two games against the Bucks. I think those are games that if the Falcons are playing well, they could easily steal some of those, especially late game Buccaneers. I know they're probably the better team, like, like we talked about with the Raiders, but Brady at the end of the season typically kind of, you know, kind of puts it in the tank, kind of saves it up. And I think we'll see that with that week 17 game against the Falcons. They'll probably just run the ball, hand it off a lot. And after that, not really have much to say. And so the Falcons probably looking at five, six win season. The issue for that is that there's so many teams right now that are looking and trending to be way worse to where this could potentially put the Falcons out of QB range. And while Matt Ryan isn't their biggest issue, their issue is they don't have a future in a team that is pretty old. Honestly, you look at what this defense has. There's guys like Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, that can be pieces going forward. The cornerback unit is pretty young, but underperforming. The safety group is probably too expensive to hold on to with their current cap situation. But on the offensive side of things, your biggest players are Matt Ryan, who is aging already. You have Todd Gurley, who is up there in age for running backs. And you have Julio Jones, who is up there in age for wide receivers. So when you're the Falcons, your window is now, but it may already be shut because – this team is just not a contender. We've seen it year after year where they just haven't performed up to expectations. I think on paper there's so much talent with this squad, and it just kind of leaves a question of how do you build this team. Looking at a top-10 pick, I think their best targets would probably be someone like Gregory Rousseau who can come in off the edge and become an impact player. That would help both their secondary 
and their overall defensive production together because right now Dante Fowler is not producing as well as he had for the Rams. Tack McKinley has not developed where you would expect for this guy. So the Falcons in this game definitely are not meeting expectations, but they come away with the victory, and it's just – I think Falcons fans would agree with me that it's very frustrating because you just aren't necessarily looking – for your team to just dominate or even win right now. You're kind of okay with the losses if it means that you're going to really get a star player that can help your team build for the future. And right now, they're just going to keep winning. And it's just it's ridiculous. On the other side of this game, we got the Carolina Panthers, who are sitting at 3-5 and five on the season. They have lost three in a row to the Bears, Saints, and Falcons with Chiefs and Bucks in the next two weeks, so it's not looking great for this team. Now, the Panthers are in an interesting situation because it's clear so far that they have overachieved in terms of expectation. A lot of people around the league were saying that this team would be picking bottom five at the best. Some people were saying number one. Some people were saying bottom three. And Matt Rule has done a great job. Don't get me wrong. Joe Brady has made this offense produce. But... Really, it just comes down to this is part of the rebuild that Panthers fans expected. And right now, yes, you kind of have to question if the Panthers are going to be bad enough to really get their future at quarterback. Now, QBs aren't necessarily always going to go as high as projected. And as the season plays along and things start to level out, we'll see that teams that aren't going to be going quarterback will have a high pick. I get that. But if the Panthers are sitting 6-10 and 10 at the end of the season, 5-11 and 11 even, they may be out of that range if teams are QB needy. I think the first two picks of this draft this year are going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So that leaves guys like, you know, I mean, obviously Trey Lance is probably what people would dream about. And there's guys that are potentially rising. There's talk of Mac Jones. There's talk of Zach Wilson. And there's talk of Kyle Trask. So would the Panthers go with one of those guys if they have the chance? Their schedule definitely doesn't favor them. You look at they play the Chiefs, they play the Bucks, they play a trending Lions team. They play the Vikings, Broncos, Packers, Washington football team and Saints. So looking at this roster or the schedule, you definitely see some opportunities to win. You have teams like the Lions, teams like the Vikings, and teams like Washington football team and Broncos that are feasible games. I think they come away with at least two in that, so that would put them at 5-11. and 11. They probably get an upset in one of these games that they're expected to lose just because that happens with the chaos of the NFL. So that's putting them at 6-10, and 7-9, something in that range, and it just plays them out. And it's a similar situation – and you never want to say, like, you should lose in the NFL. That's just not how the NFL has kind of conducted itself. There's never really been, like, a true tanking team. Teams have done their best to win when they can. However, when you're looking at it from a future perspective in a team that definitely is looking for their QB of the future, they are probably going to play themselves out of getting one of the top guys. And they could potentially have themselves out of range for guys like Trey Lance, who – are probably going to be higher than where the Panthers will be drafting. So they will have to decide, do we 
offer up draft picks in order to move up in this draft and get our QB, or are we going to move forward with Bridgewater? I think both these teams, for different reasons, are in a similar situation where the question is, what do we do with our quarterback? For one, it's Teddy Bridgewater's in his first year. And yes, he has had some issues, but overall he's been solid. And in Joe Brady's system, he has definitely produced to what you would hope for from Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's been a solid year. So, I mean, that's definitely a plus. But on the other side of the Falcons, you know, Matt Ryan has performed very well as like as well. And the question is, you know, maybe we have Matt Ryan as our starter next year, no matter what, but do we need to get a guy in here while we pick high enough to have for our future? So both these teams are definitely in the contention for quarterbacks, at least from what I've heard from fans. I can't speak for the teams themselves, but the question really comes down to, are we going to be in that spot to get it? Or are we going to have to look and build our team in other places? And I couldn't tell you what I think is going to happen. I don't think, Either team are going to be initially in draft spots to get the QB that they may want, but I could see both teams looking to trade up because QB is that important for their future. And some other news in college football, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson, the projected number one pick has COVID-19. He will be out for this week's game and you know, going against Boston College, that's not an easy task. You look at just how well they have been playing lately in their schedule. They come against – or they have a victory against Georgia Tech, winning 48-27. to Phil Jerkovic has had a great year so far. Is Clemson in danger? Probably not. I think their next quarterback in line is going to be very strong. His name is DJ – Yui Kalele, and, you know, he he offers great upside. I've seen some of his snaps while watching Clemson games, and he definitely has a cannon of an arm. He is mobile, nimble, able to make some great plays. He offers a huge frame. He stands at six foot four, 250 pounds, so you are going to see him just freaking run people over. And this guy is probably going to keep the Clemson train rolling. The big question is just how much they're going to rely on Travis Etienne in this game. And I think there's no reason to not rely on him. You know, you aren't trying to force this whole game on DJ. And you want to get Etienne the carries that he definitely deserves. So, you know, in a season where he's just been dominant and averaging so many yards, you definitely go with him. But I think at the same time, we're going to see this team adapt to whatever Boston College is doing. So if they load the box and say, you got to beat us with your rookie QB, I mean, freshman QB, then I think Clemson will do that with no issue. We have seen them succeed with a true freshman quarterback before. I don't know if you've heard his name. It's Trevor Lawrence, but they are prepared. They have the talent all over the roster. So Clemson should definitely be the favorite in this game. And they should definitely still dominate as they were expected to before. Maybe not to the same clean type of performance, but if I'm betting on anyone, it's definitely that Clemson is still going to blow this team out. Now back to the NFL. There are some big games this week. You look at the Patriots versus Bills, and I think both these teams equally 
are in big needs for a win. The Patriots for a playoff hunt reason and for the Bills, it is more just trying to get an established victory on the schedule after losses to the Titans and the Chiefs. They beat the Jets, but only by ten, by eight points. They need a big victory. And even though the Patriots aren't up to par with what they have been in the past, I think this is a huge moment for the Bills to kind of establish themselves as the top of the AFC East. Whereas for the Patriots, they're trying to get back to that spot because right now you look at this offense is just struggling and there's just nothing sweeter to say about it. There's no cleaner response about it. It is literally just the offense is not producing how they need to. You look at how Cam Newton has played in games and he is missing wide receivers, whether it's on throws or on reads. The offensive line is decimated with injuries. They're having new lineups every week starting at the spot. And then on the defensive side of things, they haven't been able to slow down the run. So the Patriots are in for a very big game against the Bills. If they win this one, the entire AFC East has kind of opened up. It sends the Bills down to five and three, sends the Patriots up to three and four. And then the Dolphins could be three and four or four and three, depending on their game with the Rams. We'll talk about that a little later. Ultimately, though, both these teams are in a dire spot to get a victory. And if I had to put my money on either of them, I'd expect that the Bills will win it. But as the uh, Patriots fan in me, I'm remaining hopeful that the Patriots can kind of bounce back. And I don't think it would shock me if they did, just because we've seen the Patriots kind of have that type of mentality where it's, you know, oh, everyone counts them out and then they bounce back. But that was always with Brady. And now the question is, is this a Bill thing where they bounce back because of Bill or is it because of Brady and we'll see what happens. And, you know, obviously it's boring to just be like, Oh, we'll see, but that's really all it is. You know, that's all you can do in the NFL. You can analyze as much as you want, but ultimately it just comes down to what happens from the kickoff to the uh, final buzzer. The next game that I believe is crucial for both sides. We're looking at, the Steelers versus the Ravens, probably the game of the week. Surprised it wasn't flexed to a Sunday night football game instead of the Eagles-Cowboys. But here we are, Steelers 6-1, and one, Ravens 5-0, and or Steelers 6-0, and oh, Ravens 5-1, and one, the top of the AFC North. Both of these squads are coming in with huge intentions of taking this game. Surprisingly, Baltimore is the favorite in this game, three and a half points. So you look at just both these teams, and I think the big thing is how will this Baltimore offense do against this Pittsburgh defense? Both of these teams have elite defenses. Probably probably favors Baltimore for me. I really like well-rounded defenses. They're both they're both really good in both regards, but I think that Baltimore is best at passing and running. For defense, So ultimately, defensively, I lean to the Ravens. Sorry to all Steelers fans that listen to this podcast out there. But ultimately, this game is going to be a huge showing for the, for the AFC North. You look at Lamar Jackson hasn't really stepped up to the plate this season. He's had a fine year, but he hasn't had that star moment. And I think a game like this is where you can really kind of shine out and create that narrative again that, hey, I'm one of the elites of the league, and you better remember that. 
so far, he has 12 touchdowns on the year with two interceptions. He's put together 11,000 yards. On the other side of things, Ben Roethlisberger's had a great year, throwing 13 touchdowns and four interceptions. He had two interceptions last week, so he's looking to bounce back a little bit. But against this Ravens secondary, it will not be easy. Definitely a lot of receiver upside in this game as well. Uh, Hollywood Brown is definitely one of the best young receivers in the league. And then you look at the other side of side, the other side of things for the Steelers. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool all ready to go off whenever the opportunity is there. James Washington is not to be slept on as well. So in this game, I think I am going with the Ravens to win it, but it is going to be exciting, and I'm surprised that the Ravens are even the favorite to start initially. Another big game for this weekend is going to be the 49ers versus the Seahawks. I think this game is probably more important than any other game in the NFL. At this moment, the Seahawks are sitting at 5-1, and one, and they want to hold on to it because they want to hold on to this division lead in what is such a tight division. But for the 49ers, they must win this game. 4-4 four and four isn't some death sentence in usual NFL, but when you're looking at the standings in this NFC West, the Seahawks are 5-1, and one, the Cardinals are 5-2, and two, the Rams are 5-2. and two. So when you're the 49ers, you can't fall to 4-4 four and four, or else you're sitting two losses behind. And most likely, I mean, the Rams will probably beat the Dolphins this week. Even if Tua has a great game, I think the, the Rams will probably take away the victory overall. And then you look at the Cardinals are already a game up on you with a game against – or they're on their bye. And then uh, the Seahawks are at 5-1, and one, and they have to beat you this week. If you give the Seahawks this game and they go to six and one, Cardinals at five and two, Rams at six and two, let's say they win against the Dolphins, you're kind of, I mean, you're never out of playoffs till you're statistically out, but you're not really going to have an easy time catching up to that. There's already other teams competing for these playoff spots. The Bears are five and two, the Saints are four and two. You can't fall behind in this NFC because there's just a death grip. For playoff spots, everyone is fighting for it. It is literally like Black Friday right now where it is just – there's no opportunity unless you get your hands on it first. And the 49ers are already behind it. So they're catching up right now. And if they lose this game, they are falling out of the picture. The Lions are also trending up. If they are able to take a victory this week against the Colts, then you're trying to compete with them as well who would also – They'd be four and three. You would be four and four. So you'd fall behind them in the standings. Now, when this season started, most people, maybe they didn't expect the 49ers to repeat, but they definitely didn't expect the 49ers to fall out entirely. A lot of people thought that, you know, maybe there was some playoff hangover and they would, they wouldn't make playoffs and you could blame part of it due to injury. I think that's perfectly fair. It happens to every team, but the 49ers definitely got it very badly. But right now, you have to step up to the plate and take on the Seahawks, and you have to win this game, or else you're going to be looking at missing out on postseason for sure, and you know it by week eight, which just isn't acceptable for a team that has so much talent like the 49ers. So it's big on Jimmy Garoppolo, big on to get something going. The next game we're going to talk about, not as much of a must-win situation, but just something that's worth talking about because we're an NFL draft show. 
and that is the Miami Dolphins versus the Los Angeles Rams. Tua Tagovailoa stepping into his first start for the Miami Dolphins. A lot of questions coming around the NFL about how they benched Ryan Fitzpatrick. People think that they didn't do him with the proper respect that he deserved. And I get it. You know, Fitzpatrick was on a tear, playing very well, having some great games, and really he probably should have lost the job before it was taken from him. However, I think the Dolphins made it very clear that the second that we feel as though Tua is ready, that's when he comes into this game. And he's ready. They think he's ready. And, you know, I don't love it for Fitzpatrick, obviously. I think the guy definitely was playing well, and he's probably hurt, and they got a spot taken from him. And even though he was sitting in that veteran spot, it still is never fun to lose your job. But at the same time, I think this is better for the Dolphins moving forward. I think uh, with Fitzpatrick, you knew what you were as a team, and that was not a contender. Now with Tua, you're probably not a contender right away. I don't think a rookie QB has won a Super Bowl, so it's unlikely that we're going to see them win a Super Bowl this year, especially with some of the other roster holes that the Dolphins have. But Tua is a special quarterback, and as long as he can handle the pressure, which I think he'll get more than ever against the Rams, we'll see this guy have a great season. And it's going to be very exciting to see what he does, what the Dolphins ask of him to do. But ultimately, I think this is definitely a key game to watch for this weekend just because if you follow the draft and you love you know, the NFL draft, college football, NFL, Tua is someone that you probably have taken heavy note of, and it's time to finally see – if your opinions were right of him, whether you didn't like him or you thought he was great. So my expectations for this game, I think the Dolphins are going to try to keep this game low. So any fantasy users, maybe add yourselves a uh, Matt Breida or Miles Gaskin out there. I don't know who's getting the majority of carries right now out there in Miami, but pick up your running backs, get the, uh, get them because most likely they're going to try to keep this thing simple. They're going to try to make it low reads low snaps, really try to control this ball, keep it patient, and two is going to make some great throws that you're going to be excited about, but at the same time, I think they're going to try to limit it to where he kind of comes away with like a 16 for 26, 200-yard game, like low 200s with like one touchdown, and he may have an interception to go along with it. So if you're a fantasy user trying to start Tua, I'd advise against it. I don't think this is the best defense to even start a rookie against, but – if you're looking for a opportunity to have a young star potentially be witnessed by yourself in their first game, this is definitely a great game to check out because the Dolphins are an exciting young team. There's so much young talent on this roster. Brian Flores has done a great job of setting up this team with Chris Greer, also getting some credit there. Ultimately, though, I expect the Rams to win this, like I said earlier. I think they're just a great team right now. So the Dolphins probably won't win this game. But I think as long as Tua has a solid outing, we'll we'll see some good faith for the Dolphins going forward. I don't think that anyone in the Dolphins locker room is now upset or like hurt by Coach Flores. I understand that Fitzpatrick was their QB and he was playing well, but I don't think it's going to send some 
waves in the locker room. I think a lot of people knew that Tua was going to get his opportunity once they felt he was ready. As long as they were transparent about it, though, I feel like the roster and locker room should still be very intact. And I look forward to seeing what Tua can do, not only this Sunday, but with his career. Moving on to the NFL draft side of things, we are going to be talking a little bit about the QB play this season. I've kind of dove in, divin, I've dived in. There we go. I've dived into my Zach Wilson evaluation. I watched some of his full games. I watched some of his games last year, which I guess doesn't count as much with the reconstructed shoulder. He has definitely looked a lot better. But one of my biggest issues with Zach Wilson is I feel like he leaves the ball up in the air for his receiver to go get. And it's not like he's putting it in a spot where only the receiver can get it. I think the biggest issue for this guy is he kind of puts up what are called 50-50 balls by some. And when you're throwing actual 50-50 balls, it's not a good pass, especially in today's NFL where you have the opportunity to really throw guys open. And I don't feel like Zach Wilson does that. And it's kind of a similar issue that we saw with Jalen Hurts last year where the anticipation throwing wasn't really there. And I feel like for Wilson, yeah, he's throwing early in streak routes and stuff like that, but the anticipation is still an issue because he's not really throwing any routes that aren't just like kind of deep fades almost. And you look at, you know, BYU's offense and their success and you say, well, if he can do this and he succeeds at it, why not do it? And sure, 100%, like, keep doing it, BYU, that's fine. You're succeeding, you're doing well, it's worth whatever it's going on, you know? However, I do think that in terms of evaluation, there's heavy question marks for this guy. And I get the entice. He can move around the pocket very well. He's got a strong arm, but I don't love his overall zip on passes. He can send the ball deep, and he has some great plays. He, he works some very impressive arm angles in his throws. He'll throw sidearm. He'll throw shovel passes, and, I mean, he can make plays, but there's just times where he misfires, and in the short game especially, he just has times where he'll throw overhead normally, and it just goes down to the dirt instead of hitting the running back in his hands or anything like that. So it's definitely a question in that regard. I think a lot of people love his stat production. I love it too, but I – I think the biggest thing is you have to be able to critique them as prospects rather than just as, you know, college football stars. He's a star, no doubt, and he's done some great things. I don't want this to sound like I just think he's not good or anything. He's throwing 78.3%. He has 16 touchdowns, only one interception, only taken four sacks, even though he's a mobile quarterback who's running around the pocket as much as he is. There's definitely a lot to like about this guy. I get it. I just think right now, compared to what I've heard stock-wise, in terms of people are saying he's QB2 over Fields, in terms of what I've heard of people saying he's over Trey Lance for sure, I'm not sure I buy it with that. And I think Mac Jones is currently the better QB between them. I'd probably go Trask over Zach Wilson as well. So at the moment, he's, he's lower for me than most people. And, you know, if he keeps this up, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. 
he's probably still going to go early. There's going to be a team that loves what he can do. Like I said last show, as long as it's one team that loves you, it doesn't matter. You're going to go high. Like you're going to go where that team loves you is picking it. So Zach Wilson, if he continues to dominate, I don't think it's going to hurt his stock. I don't think me saying, oh, I don't love the way he throws is going to do anything. And, you know, I don't want you guys to think that just because I have him as QB6, that means I think that he's going to be a 6 QB off the board or something like that. Definitely not. He'll probably go earlier than Mac Jones. He'll probably go earlier than Kyle Trask just because the entice is there. If he were to declare, he would definitely be a a QB that teams will have to watch a lot of film on and have to decide for themselves, you know, what do we think this guy can really truly become? And, you know, one of the biggest questions for me, especially on Zach Wilson, is does he even declare right now? You look at he's a junior right now, could be entering his senior year at BYU, and with that, he could potentially stay and be in arguments for QB1. I know that a lot of people wanted to announce Sam Howell or Kadan Slavis after last year's great freshman years, but ultimately there's no solidified QB one for next year's class. And while there are some talented and exciting quarterbacks, there's no way that you can think that anyone is in a spot like Trevor Lawrence, where it's almost like cemented in a QB one. And that gives Zach Wilson the opportunity to be the first QB off the board. I think coming from BYU, there's talks that he may do his, I believe it's his mission or something. And, you know, if he wants to do something similar to that, he could potentially postpone going to the NFL. I don't think he's going to do that just because of the opportunity that is being presented to play quarterback in the NFL. A lot of people generally don't pass that up regardless of what they, uh, what other obligations they feel in their life. So, you know, Zach Wilson is, Definitely one of those guys that could have the opportunity both to stay and potentially be a top QB next year, or he could potentially keep playing at this level and go as high as the number two QB this year. I don't think that he should. I think Justin Fields is a dominant QB who offers so much in both the run and pass game. But at the same time, I do think that the stats don't lie and consistently having great play is huge for anyone. And Zach Wilson has probably made the most of it out of anyone in this season. So Zach Wilson is definitely in talks, but I just want to give you my thoughts on him. I don't think he's as good as currently hyped up to be. I'm sorry if you're a fan of Zach Wilson out there. I understand that he has a huge hive at the moment. Ultimately though, There's not much to talk about after that. So we're going to call this show early. I'm Michael Rockman. Thank you for joining me on Destination Draft Day. Always check out LandryFootball.com right here at the top. You can see it. Check out our Twitch channel at ChrisLandryFootball. We thank them so much for the opportunity to stream the show. And check out Bonus Seeker if you would like to have any bets for this weekend of games, whether it's college football or NFL. And that's all I got for you. Take care and thank you so much. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.